Hello, Chris. Hi, Jason. Good afternoon. How are you? It's still more. It's still morning, baby. But I'm good. It is still morning. Um, just a Sunday in LA for the both of us, huh, buddy? These days, just they start early and they end early. You know what I mean? It's that's just where I'm at right now. That's where I have been at as well um, for a while. I, I mean, it's a little part part getting older and part quarantining, I guess. Uh, yes, I think it all all plays a part. I also think that just you know, getting up early feels more productive at this stage. You're damn right about that. I love to be early. We know you're you're a six a.m. right? Definitely. Yeah, big same, big. Same. Well, I'm definitely a six a.m. right here. Maybe five thirty because I'm still you know getting acclimated to the PST. Sure, sure. Um, did you have a fun fourth? <laughs> yeah, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, I saw your ass. What you mean? Yeah, I, I did, don't know actually. if you had fun, but I did see you. Um, no, it was okay. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was fun. I had a good time. It was, it was overwhelming to be around, uh, people that are quick witted, uh, like myself all in one place in a, in a, obviously in an open air public park. Um, yeah, for, it, for our listeners, we had a social distance hangout in, in a large park by my house where we, uh, we sat away from each other on our own independent blankets and brought our own food that we ate. And, uh, uh, you know, we smoked our own cigs. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was a good crowd. It was a good group of people, you know? So, you, so you're not used to being around people who are able to, you know, a, a large group of people, I guess not large, but a, a handful of people who, who are able to to match wits with you in uh, and you had to be on your A game. I, I kind of felt the well, same way. Yeah, I mean it's it's honestly it's rare, you know, and I think we do this podcast together because we found each other, you know what I mean, in that in that mm. quick witted way, that sensibility that we share. But yeah, I mean it can you know, be exhausting though. It can be, and you got to keep your, you know, it, the barbecue is for every fucking body. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you you can get thrown on the queue like those fucking ribs, bro, like at any point. <laughs> um that is true and it's good you know it keeps keeps us all on our toes and i think we're all past the point of maybe becoming uh offended or butthurt by by said barbecuing of each other uh it would take a lot well especially from those bozos you know what i mean like it's it's uh it's all in good fun and you can feel that you know Mm -hmm. we were we were playing some tennis and and our friend Ben Edgar suggested that we live, we do a live stream of of you and I playing tennis together. <laughs> and should know. we make? I mean, we're playing this afternoon. Should we make it a reality? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think I still need some time to work out the logistics of how it would happen. And well, I think we would. I think we need to purchase. I think it's time that that for the for the greater good of this podcast and and, and for the fans, I think we should have a we should purchase um, with the we should break we should break the how long gone penny bank and cop a uh, <laughs> cop cop a um, a tripod for the phone. Um, you don't have your own vlogger kit already. You know, I, I have. I only have a ring light. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. Well, a ring I light we, is the most essential part of a vlogging kit, so you're, I, you're I, already there. 
I don't actually have one, but I think that would be if we just if we just set up a camera in the corner and just let it rock. That's funny as fuck. Yeah, people. A lot of. I mean, I I was having doubts in myself, but but Ben was saying like there's there's enough people who who would be interested in watching that. But then he was suggesting getting like lav mics you know, <laughs> taped, taped to our lower back, so uh, you know we could hear all the mid the mid match banter between the two of us. But then I I worry that will it will also produce a lot of just kind of un undesirable breathing and grunting sounds perhaps well on your side absolutely because i'm gonna have your lanky ass diving all over that fucking court <laughs> so it's yes you will be breathing heavily because you're not in the shape that i'm in um physically is so, there is there a a way that we can put money like a, a wager on this i mean i think personal pride is pretty big for both of us and that's what we're willing to lose here so i think okay, that's that, fine but Is I think enough? it would be, you know, it would be probably the wisest, you know, it, it would be smarter than investing in Gap uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> All right. Let, to have, uh, you know, to put money on me beating you straight sets. Well, I, I, I mean, I saw your little abbreviated backswing yesterday, and I feel like that's a little hole in your game that I'm going to be able to exploit. Mm. Um, <laughs> but... Yes, I, Jason, I, your skills surprised me, and the fact that I've never even that neither of us have seen each other play before. And yesterday doesn't count because there's no real gear involved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting day today, and I think Tim, our referee, is going to have his work cut out for him. I don't really, I don't really. It seems kind of like an open and shut case to me. I don't know what you <laughs> were seeing out there yesterday, but it's uh, it's pretty much you know cut and dry. What I'm saying to what I'm you, saying you, to you, you you were moving. I mean, I know that you were kind of injured or something, or you were you were gassed out from a previous because um, I actually exercised or yes, something. because I because I ran seven miles a few hours before I saw you. Mm-hmm. So excuse me. I was also wearing Nike Spiridons. I, I need proper gear to protect my body because as an athlete, I take my assets very seriously. Mm. For someone like you who's just goofing around all the time, you don't need that stuff. You can. You can have a laugh in your little converse. You know what I mean? I can't do that. Right. And and that's kind of even more enjoyable to <laughs> to beat you so so easily and effortlessly, you know, using whatever gear and clothing. Agree. So you should show up this afternoon to South Pasadena in some flip flops and let's just see what happens. <laughs> so if you if you if you don't care, put the Put the Javianas on with some jeans, <laughs> and let's and let's really get it going. Well, we're gonna be we're gonna be playing later today on you know in an actual tennis club facility, a, a private club. So I think I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to dress accordingly. Uh, for, I'm, not, I'm not gonna yes. be able to just wear you know one of my signature tanks on the the jean shorts and tank tops will have to be left the in jean in shorts. Come on. <laughs> No, but I love a little friendly competition. But I, I think that um, I think that we're actually fairly well matched if we're both healthy. To be yeah. honest with you, um, actual question: Do you think I will need to be wearing a collared a collared polo shirt? No, no, no. I've played here a bunch. No, no, it's not that serious. Okay. No, it's not tennis whites. Tim chooses to wear tennis whites because he respects the sport, which I also respect. But mm-hmm. um, as a person in transit, I didn't have space in the Ramoa for the for the whites. Part part of your pro gear pro attitude philosophy i mean i have obviously full 
you know, uh, sweat wicking material outfit ready to go, but it's, it's, it's black, which, which, um, mm. also attracts heat. But I would suggest I didn't bring a hat and I would suggest bringing one because the sun is bright. You know, we're playing at a little bit of a, uh, 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 high sun time, you know, middle of summer, it's better to play in the morning or at night, you know, don't, I do have hats. So that is that I'm not worried about. I might need to borrow one. So if you don't, if you have anything, you don't, you know, you want to unload nothing. No, don't give me some corny shit. So <laughs> like try to throw me off my game. I, I will give you, I, I have a white Nike tennis, tennis hat, dry fit that you, that you may borrow. Okay, cool. That sounds like that will fit my look. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think maybe this podcast and, and our relationship in general should pivot to competition based. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think that maybe we could, maybe that's what we do. We just it's it's once a week. There's some sort of battle where where the two of us um, go head to head in some sort of competition. But unfortunately, that doesn't look very good for me as a man that really doesn't have that many skills. Um, mm, but but so that t- should be outweighed by your supreme physique and um, <laughs> and level of uh, of fitness, right? Well, anything physical, I'll whip your ass. But I'm saying, like, you know, uh, let's say, like, a- if we had a pull up contest or something like that, is that um, what you're talking okay. about? Or are you talking okay. more of like, are, are we going to go like the Highland Games where we're going to like <laughs> throw, see how far we can throw a rock? Or I will beat you at that. Pull ups, you'll probably take me on any sort of any sort of sporting or foot race. I will take you in. Okay. Um, so I any, think any of any of the track and field arts, that's a yes. This, the track and field. Unfortunately, though, I think when we approach more life skills, you know, cooking, hammering, changing a tire. You know, regular guy shit. I think you'll have me smoked. Um, mm-hmm. But if we did, like, let's say a, a Vogue runway click through, you have to pick the designer. You know, <laughs> I, I, I identify the designer. I think I could take you there. You know what I mean? If we had to do a tight five minute stand up routine, you're gonna win. Mm. Um, so it's, this it's is my looking- kind of. I think I think we're on our way to developing some type of uh, you know cuck decathlon. <laughs> where <laughs> cuck, cuck, t- the cuck tathlon how long gone presents the cuck tathlon the, the cuck olympics perhaps <laughs> <laughs> I, I i just think this is a way to keep it interesting you know what i mean i think people you know everyone deep down is competitive i would say that is that is very true yeah i mean um you know so our, our listeners at home if you if you can you know maybe start putting together your ideal you know 10 10 skills for us to compete in and then we can go and the, we can go from there in terms of you know making the pitch deck for sponsors and and getting enough money yeah. to get this thing. Well, this to me strikes me more as like a a you know um, Hulu original probably <laughs> than, 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 than a podcast. But you know I'm I'm open to you know I understand that content lives in many places these days and you know people's attention spans are short. So if Quibi wanted to do this in short. You know, ten ten part, ten minute episodes. I could see that working. This actually, yeah. I mean, as much as Qu- we talk shit on on Quibi, this they Quibi might be the 10. perfect platform for this. Well, and the way to really juice it up and get some star power involved is, you know, for each of us to have an expert coach for every event. Mm, okay. You know, so it's like, all right, I'm going to call. You know, if we're cooking, it's like you and you have your little buddy, but then I call in, you know, some famous chef to help me. You know. Right. Um, and how would because, it work if I would be the best person to be the coach for these skills already? So I just kind of 
Um, Maybe I, I, can, I can do it with like an with like one hand tied behind my back or something to I level see. it out. I mean, I know that you're really impressed with yourself for being able to like chop vegetables and other <laughs> like rudimentary skills that mm-hmm. I unfortunately don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm here and sad to inform you that there are people that are better than you at everything that you do. Um, so, and, and the same goes for me. So I think we would both we would both need a coach in our corner to help just absolutely destroy the will to live of the other person. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm picturing spare tire changing, um, you know, sewing a sewing a button onto a shirt that fell off, things like this. You know, some nice practical skills. I used to be able to sew. I feel like I could pick it back up. I've never changed a tire. I know that's not surprising to you. Um, <laughs> you know, you know how some people on their parents' cell phone bill. The only thing that I've, I'm still involved with with my parents is a triple A membership, and I haven't had a car in eleven years, twelve years. But my mom, for some reason, still maintains my triple A membership. You never know, sweetie. Well, I mean, I think Maserati has a service, but you do never know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, roadside head ass (laughs) roadside head ass um so you would beat me at that but again i think that i think we could find a list of skills that that you know both of us aren't Mm. uh you know neither of us are experts at all of them i think is what we'd be looking for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay well i think i think this idea does have some legs and uh we will continue to develop this as as time progresses Yes, this podcast now serves as the writer's room. It is moved. It is moved mm-hmm. from a from an interactive uh, chat scenario to a we're talking at you writer's room scenario. It's 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 I interesting. W- I would say the one the one task or one one competition that I really hope to beat you at, which is um, live tweeting an award show. That's if there, I can if I can take you there, then that will really just crumble your whole strategy. That's actually true, and and to be a hundred percent honest, uh, you have absolutely no chance. Um, <laughs> but you are funny. But I don't think you have the you don't have the itchy trigger finger that will allow you to hit them in succession like 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 mm-hmm. like a like a skier on the moguls. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a guest today. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, Editor at large of them, uh, the Condé Nast platform. He's a uh, he's also the entertainment editor for Nylon, the newly relaunched Nylon magazine. Um, Michael QB is his name. Um, I believe he's from LA, but he lives in New York. Um, okay. And you know, we're going to get a little update on what's going on with him. Get his take on things. He actually recently watched Hamilton for the first time um, mm-hmm. and talked about it. And I said, "Godspeed." So hopefully, now that he's watched it, we can hear a little update from a from a virgin. Godspeed. Yeah, we right. we have a lot of Hamilton to cover. All right, um, let's get a lot of buzz. Ham. I'll bang his line. Right. What's good? All right, we're all here. We're yeah, here. Hi, nice right. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. How are you, Not Michael? How do we say your last name? QB. Okay, like, I said it right. I wanted to guess, but I, I didn't think it was that complicated. I was over. <laughs> a lot of people say Cubby, but then I'm always like, there's only one B. <laughs> Cubby's yeah. pretty cute, though. I mean, you know. <laughs> I always just say QB like a quarterback, even though I've never played football a day in my life. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good, that's easy to understand, especially for, you know, two dumbasses like us. Um, Chris, Chris is you, more familiar with Quibby. Quibby, yes. Quibby is my QB is Quibby to me. That's how I see, I read it. 
Um, oh my god! Are you? I, I I looked at your Instagram story. It looks like you turned up a little bit last night. Um, I did not turn up. I like. I wish. <laughs> Are you saying you um, love this country as much as we do that you're turning oh up? God, oh God! Yeah. No, not at all. Not in any. Not in any form of celebrating America whatsoever. Okay. Okay. What uh? What What did you get into yesterday for the fourth? Um. Basically, I just saw a few friends. Um, like ended up on a rooftop with at one of my friends' apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with. Guys, no Hari, obviously. Um, and we went like at the. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? No, no, just you know, a, a graduate of how long gone university is yes, how we like yes. to <laughs> refer to our, our, our former guests. You know, you're in your first semester right now, so play your cards right. Uh, yes, hopefully I get to graduate on time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then I mean, like at the end of the day, we went to this very like weird thing that was happening underneath the bridge, and pretty much like both were immediately like, "This is looking like a little bit too much." I think it's time to call it a night. So what is the overall vibe in New York? Obviously, I, I've, I live there, but I haven't been there since March. Jason lives in L.A., so give us a scene report from the ground. Um, I mean, New York is pretty... It's, like, weird to kind of have watched it go, like, completely dead and empty, and, like, people are very clearly starting to emerge back out, definitely to an extent that they shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so it's kind of scary and unnerving. Mm-hmm. But... But, I mean, it definitely feels a lot different than it did at the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. I mean, are you, are you, where do you, what, are you in Brooklyn or are you in the city? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. I live in Bed-Stuy. Okay. So, is it, do you think it's more mellow in, in Brooklyn than it is in Manhattan? Yes, definitely. I literally have only been in Manhattan, I want to say, maybe three times since the pandemic started. Like, for the first, like, three months, I was only in Brooklyn, like, in my neighborhood, like, taking little walks around the block, like, did not go anywhere. Oh, so you I've been a couple of times. You were taking that shit serious. You were a quarantine truther. You, like, really... Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely was not playing any of the games. I was very much, like, (laughs) in my room, only seeing my roommate and her girlfriend. Didn't see anyone for months. But I'm, like... Are you feeling unleashed? Like, did, was it, is it socializing? Like, because I socialized yesterday with Jason and a few of our friends in like a park, and I was a little overwhelmed, I have to say. Yeah, no, it is really scary. I've like been keeping it very like low key, like making sure I'm only in spaces with very like small crowds outdoors, you know, sitting separate apart, like not being into chaotic things. But that's why, like, when I see other things happening, like, this morning I saw all of these like pictures of like these gays party in Fire Island and it's like packed back to back on the beach and I'm like that's the kind of shit that scares me so much. I thought COVID I thought COVID didn't make it to Fire Island. So it's probably <laughs> They seem to think that they seem to think that somehow it could not hop on the ferry and the bus. <laughs> and the <train. laughs> Corona took the damn ferry over to Fire Island. It's here to stay. I I mean, I'm more talking about the the I was overwhelmed with the actual socializing itself of like rapid fire, like conversation face to face. Yeah, you kind of, because you go from like not seeing anyone to suddenly at like seeing people. It was, it's kind of, it's definitely very weird and like disorienting after kind of like being secluded for so long. Are you from? I think another weird thing about the hanging is like people are, are having to readjust to talking about 
normal things like they used to before, whereas just the last four months, everyone just talks about the coronavirus all the time. And, right. you know, they, they, they judge other people and talk shit on people who aren't wearing masks. And it's just like they people forgot how to just, you know, kick it and have a normal convo with your friends. Oh, yeah. There's going to definitely be an adjustment period to, like, feeling normal even amongst the people you've been friends with for years. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a it's a divisive time, uh, you know, in in many ways. Are you uh, are you from LA and now you live in New York? Yes, yeah, I've lived in New York since 2012. And you didn't you didn't come back to the motherland to ride this thing out? Um, no, I did not. I was not one of those people that was like escaping. <laughs> Don't come at me on my fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking I, speaking of partying in New York, there uh, there's been a lot of China chalet discourse oh on God. social media, and and I and I know that both of you guys are are in New York. Michael, you might yeah. have more experience turning up since oh, Chris I mean, is, is I, over, but like I, I, maybe <laughs> um, you know to to an LA person or somebody outside of New York who isn't familiar with what it is. Obviously, it's like you know a a popular place that cool people go and get drunk and do coke at but like what uh (laughs) what's going on with it i mean it's closing down but what was so special about this place i mean it was just it was one it's such like a rare venue literally was like a chinese restaurant by day like coked out club by night and it was just one of these places that just had kind of like no rules like you could smoke indoors Mm -hmm. um it was like this weird like setup where there was a bar on one corner and then like the main dining room and then like a club room and it was just like this very like open place that just kind of gave birth to so many of these kind of like now iconic new york parties that just have been happening over like the past like half decade mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such like i mean i've spent so much time in china chalet and sometimes it's like the worst place there's like no real air conditioning it feels very hot and disgusting mm-hmm. but it's also just like so i don't know i mean like it feels very much like unlike so many other things in new york like it does not have any kind of like standard club vibe and i think that that's what mm. made it feel special because so like it it has the energy maybe of you know one of the last places that's kind of like old new york where like you said you could smoke indoors and just do coke on the tables and right and exactly. <laughs> very that yeah like there's like it's one of those things that now that it's gone like there there is no comparable like i have like another like regular club could shut down and you could just find the next club it's like mm-hmm. like was so distinct and individual that it's like it's sad it really is sad. chris did you but, ever I spend mean, time turning up there blowing blowing a bag Chris has done coke at Times Satellite. Okay. That's what you're asking. Yes, it's obviously it's been a long time. That's the, that's the other thing. It's been around for kind of a lo- for being so lawless. It's like maintained for years. Yeah, it, it really is kind of crazy, and it's gone through like phases. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, like, I'm lot, right, exactly. I'm a lot older than you. You know what I mean? I imagine mm-hmm. I'm, probably, I'm at least ten years older than you, and it's been cool for that long. You know what I mean? Which is like yeah. crazy it's always been such like, like it was a thing even before I moved to New York, like, you know, I came here in 2012 and it was already like this thing. But like, like I said, it's just like, I mean, how many places can you go and like be indoors just like it's, lighting up it your cigarettes? Like and, a, like, you know. It seemed like a good place to fuck skaters at. Is that true? Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> huge, huge, huge skater destination. The, the legendary- kind of thing where you could like be in, a, like be in one of the stalls 
some people are making out in one corner. The other people are very loudly, like, sniffing coke off a key. Like, very bad energy. It's, it's, well, there's that famous photo of the skateboards um, checked in the coat check. That is is so fucking funny. That that shit makes me laugh every time I see it. (laughs) Truly, I feel like, has been the most circulated image, like, paying its respects to our fallen sister. It's really, did you, did you go out a lot in high school in LA? Were you like on the scene or were you in your books? Um, I, mean, I was, I was very much in my books. I mean, I was very balanced. I went out a lot, but I mean, I also was very studious, but not, I wasn't like out at clubs. It was just more like very Kesha party at a rich dude's house. Like, you know, going to some place in the Valley, like, and just getting really stoned and like, binge drinking but i wasn't like going out like on. that's just so weird when i go like back home to la now and people are like asking for recommendations like where do you go out and i'm like i was never like of age in la and it wasn't really the kind of place where i would have like had a fake id in high school yeah. whereas like i come to new york and all of the people that like were 16 like had fake ids in new york but that just wasn't the vibe in la at least not like when i was growing up there at least interesting well i mean i think it's probably better to start a little later you know what i mean it's, it's yeah you're not equipped to handle it at 15, in my opinion. But but it does in New York and LA. It does happen often. That, that I mean, native like na- the native New Yorkers who have been partying, like that's a different breed. Like I have some friends who grew up here, and yes. like the way that they kind of like really start on that like social circuit in their young teens. I'm like, that really is some. You've seen some shit. You really no, seen no, some yeah. Shit. If you went to Bungalow Eight in high school, you're on. Some <laughs> right. You're on. <laughs> Me and you ain't the same. You know what I'm saying? We are not. We are not cut from the same cloth. We are not. I wish I, I'm jealous of you, but we're not cut from the same cloth. You know, I, I think it makes a big difference. And you went to, we have a friend in common, Cammy, who does uh, parades. Yes, yes, and yeah. You, you guys went to, you, so you went to college at Columbia, so you lived uptown. I did, I did. Yeah, from, like, for the years that I was there, I was lived on campus. Cammy and I were actually both in the same co-ed literary society at Columbia. Wow, so you really... Yeah, you are very studious, my friend. Like, yeah, you, you, really, you really be in your books. I mean, well, it actually, I mean, it was very much, it was a co-ed frat. It was just, it was founded as a literary society, but that really was not. It functioned basically as a frat, except it was co-ed. So what did you go to, what did, what did you go to school for? Sociology. Oh, I see. Okay. So, and now you write about TV, film, and entertainment. Mostly, yeah, primarily. I, I love that through line. I love that. Yeah, through line. I think <laughs> I, I, I actually went to Columbia. My first year, I was an econ major. I like had all these plans to like do econ and like go to business school, and I was like very quickly like, this is not did, really did what I'm get, trying did, to did, do. Did New York City turn you out first semester and, and flip the whole shit? Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I feel like I got here. I was so that was on that track. Like you know, I took AP Econ in high school. Like that was gonna be my thing, and I like got here. And it was honestly a bunch of other people. I would tell them that and they were like, "That doesn't seem like you." And I like started to think, and I was like, "Is it?" Or like, have I really just kind of been pursuing this very weird line? And I was like, actually, what would I want to do more? And I like thought I wanted to write, but I didn't want to be an English major because I didn't want to like the type of writing that you do for English was not the type of writing I was trying to do. So I was like, let's just kind of find a major where I will be writing a lot and kind of just learning about culture and like examining culture in general. I, you know, I, Jason and I both love examining culture. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I, that, that makes it sound a lot cooler than me when I say like, I just like to read the daily mail and tweet about it. That doesn't sound quite as 
Quite yes. Well, Chris, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between examining culture and just talking shit on it on Twitter as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that distinction. But you still have to examine culture to be able to talk shit about it. Absolutely. That's, look, yes. Thank you for bringing me back to, yeah, back to earth. <laughs> uh, and, and I know you, you were an editor at large at Vim. Um, and I think people, I, I bet some people that listen to this podcast don't know what Vim is. So it'd be nice if you could kind of explain what yes. the platform is. Um, so Vim is Condé Nast's like LGBTQ platform. Um, it was founded in October 2017, I think, by Phil Picardi, who then went to out and is now doing something completely different. Um, and it's basically just like a website that focuses on like looking at culture through a queer lens and but under the Condé Nast umbrella. And I've been there since the beginning. I started doing. I was the social media director when I first got there for like the first seven, eight months and then realized that I wanted to go back to writing because that's what I was doing before I was brought on by Phil. And I was just kind of like, social media is not my thing. Like trying to run social media for a brand is such a different beast than like running it for yourself. And I was like, this is not really my thing. And so then I just became the editor at large and I've just kind of been writing there since then. I also think people, editor-at-large, you know, to me, it sounds like a pretty cushy fucking title. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, is that <laughs> editor-at-large sounds like, to me, you ain't got to be anywhere you don't want to be. Am I incorrect? Oh, definitely. No, yeah, no, that's <laughs> definitely, like, I'm on my own. I just kind of, like, have the stories that I have when a couple that I'm juggling at all times, I just kind of have my deadlines, and then that's really all that I'm kind of obligated to do. Wow, sounds pretty fucking good. That's why you can be out partying with Hardy and I'm, I'm stuck here <laughs> saying to the fucking laptop. I see the difference. I what, see the fucking difference. What is, um, what is the vibe like right now at Condé Nast with all the, uh, you know, I don't know what, I mean, what exactly you would call it, but, you know, there's some shakeups I mean, I mean, going on. <laughs> I mean, there obviously was like a moment where it was like a very somber, you know, like, let's have this town hall and talk about diversity type thing. But I feel that at least like for the people on them, it's, it's such a different experience because that staff has been so carefully strategically arranged as far as like representing minority voices. Like that's kind of always been at the heart of what them was. So it feels a little bit removed, even though obviously it still is part of the Condé umbrella. But I mean, I mean, I feel like in general, I mean like the stuff with Bonaparte, like, they're handling it, I guess, to whatever extent that they are. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason, I think they got that under control or whatever. I don't know. I mean, what do you, how do you even? How do you even handle that, though? You know, right? Exactly. I mean, like, there's obviously so much there, but I feel what's going on with them is so it feels removed, particularly because like we're not centralized in an office and especially for me as someone who's at large and is like not really kind of involved in the day to day of like what's going on there anyway, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I feel somewhat at least insulated as being tied directly to that. Yeah. What have, what have you, so has what the subjects you've been covering changed like because of quarantine, because of black lives matter, because of the murders, like, is that really shifted or is it kind of like, you're, you're still trying to maintain some, like, you know, entertainment-focused stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I think as far as, like, the brand and, like, platform itself, it has, like, taken a much, like, wider change as far yeah. as, like, there is more of that going on. I'm not necessarily, like, 
that's not necessarily the reporting that I'm doing. I mean, for sure. the past month, I've just been doing so much like like profiles and stuff for Pride. But oh, okay. um, by the that, way, quick quickly on that note, I feel like I, I feel like uh, King Princess got a shitload of profiles with no record out, like no new music out. <laughs> And I fucking well, love King. I love King Princess. Like I can't get enough. Like I'm into the whole thing. But I was like, damn, she got like four covers, and her record came out a year ago. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird how kind of like. But then I think also it's like once like things like Pride roll around, it's you gotta like, call. You gotta get all the fine, right? Who, what lesbians do we know? We know lesbians. right exactly. We need you need to make sure you have one member from each letter of the LGBTQ <laughs> like after them, and they're you know the pool gets smaller and smaller, and so then they just default to who they know. I get. I mean, that does. I think. I mean, pride is is always something that is, I, I you know, co opted by the corporations, you know, in a way. Yeah. But yeah. do you look at that as actually it's, negative, or is it more like, look, they don't, they're not doing it exactly right, but it's better that they're doing something rather than nothing. Um, I'm definitely like not on the plane of thinking that it is a blanket negative. I think it really is a case by case basis on how they engage with that work. If they're kind of just doing, you know, taking one month to like slap rainbows onto like a t-shirt and like sell it at this exorbitant value and like not donate any of the money. That's obviously like, I don't really care about that visibility, but for the brands that are actually like trying to work structurally from the basis, like, you know, and are like, you know, we're going to sell these and this is going to like go to a different corporation that are actually trying to, you know, like organize stuff within their employee basis to actually fight for and like make real structural change. I think that that is definitely worth it. But I mean, in general, obviously, like, the corporatization of pride is, like, not good as far as, yeah. like, you know, this, you know, idea of, like, rainbow capitalism and everything. That intrinsically is not, but, like, I don't jump to the flip side of saying, like, corporations should, like, not acknowledge pride because that's equally bad. So I, I just think it's more about going about it in an authentic, organic how, way. How did, it, how did it feel this year we just with everything going on, like, in, on every fucking level? What was the vibe? pride wise it was it was so weird because i mean there were so many like there felt like so many like more important things like you know with like the overlap of all of like the black lives matter protest happening right as pride was happening it was it felt like i'm not really thinking about gayness and queerness right now as much as i'm like thinking about the fact that you know like people are like dying but i do think that it also kind of lent itself to this very unique opportunity to kind of think about the intersection of like blackness and queerness as, as these two groups where so many like the queer community definitely has a problem like a racism problem as much as some aspects of the black community have like had issues with responding to queerness and I felt like it was a good moment mm. to kind of like examine that intersection and kind of like see the ways that both of these movements should be kind of like moving side by side and not being at odds with each other so there was a, a unique thing but it also didn't obviously between the stuff happening with the black lives matter protests and the fact that obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic it didn't feel like pride pride quote unquote mm-hmm. you know i i have a pride, pride from st- home yeah. <laughs> yes. I virtual have a, pride i have a pride story actually where i was once jogging um you know just out for a jog and then i i got I got locked in to pride. Basically I like took a turn down a street and I couldn't get out. 
And then I ended up just participating. <laughs> I ended up. Just it sounds like Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. It, it really does. <laughs> it really does. And then I just went with it. You know, I just kind of walked for a while, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty fucking lit, actually." And then I, you know, I was able to find my way out, and it was. Um, but it, my point being, it really takes over New York in its prime. You know what I mean? Like, oh it's, yeah, it's it, like it's all encompassing. Like it's the city is is on for for that for that time. Yeah, it's such, and like last year's Pride was like such a huge thing because it was World Pride, you know, the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. So there were so many people. But like, I honestly, like, hilariously, like, never really do the actual like marches. It was so funny. Last year, I was supposed to be like, I got invited by like W Hotels, like, ride on their float. And I was like, okay, like, this would be a good way to like actually like do the parade. And like the morning of or like the night before or something, they sent me. And email being like, yeah, so like you're gonna like show up to W Hotel at like whatever time and you'll be like directed here to like get a t-shirt and you'll be directed here to like walk alongside the float. And I was like, mm. you invited me to ride on the float? Like I'm not showing up to this shit to walk alongside your float. That's, so they promise you artist pass, but you just got VIP. Right, exactly. Mm. I was like, absolutely not. I will like not be venturing out. Thank you, into Jason, like the for 95 degree heat for this. Translating that into language I can understand. I mean, walk. Oh, okay. Artist pass. Now, thank you. I understand. I understand. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of, a lot of uh, rainbow capitalism is a very fun term to use. I've never heard that before. Um, but I feel like this year it was hotly contested because, because you know, people are just really on edge. Um, yeah. And right, rightfully so. Um, but I, yeah. I, I saw a lot of that. Um, more so than I have in the past. I, I, I think it's obviously getting more prevalent, but also like, I think people are just out for blood. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's like, it should be, I mean, there should definitely be, we should always be like looking at and criticizing the way that corporations capitalize on any kind of marginalized community, not just queer people, but you know, also black people or trans people, any, you know, group of like any minority people of color, because there is, there are so many ways to kind of like uphold this theoretically, like in theory, without actually putting anything into practice that's actually helping this. And in all of those ways, that's not really actually adding to the benefit of helping any of these people. It's- no, I mean, I'm I'm always surprised at how much faith people put into corporations. <laughs> like it's kind of like, <laughs> why do you expect anything? I mean, they they want to make money, and that's the bottom line. Which is like to me pretty clear that that's like how the system is set up. So to expect yeah. them to, to expect something from them like they're a person is is to me kind of delusional. Yeah, um, people like will really kind of like go to bat for like corporations, and I'm like, by definition, corporations, which is kind of like an entity that does not have a soul or spirit, yeah, yeah. give anything back to you. So like, it's like, why are you? And very often, the people at the top of these corporations are equally soulless and like don't want to give back to you. Unfortunately, that's why I'm not rich is because I have a soul. And I, 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 <laughs> that's the only thing for stopping me from getting my millions. Exactly. exactly. I'm, just too, I'm too nice of a guy. I'm too empathetic. And I'll just never be rich, unfortunately. That's just I've come to terms with the fact that I can be. I can be well I off, <laughs> but I can't be rich, you know? I have a few ghosts that come to visit me every other day asking me if I'm finally ready to give up my soul. <laughs> and it, it, it's, <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to keep saying no because I just, I'm, I'm ready to tap into my trust fund that's waiting for me to give up my soul. I think I think you have more time than I do. I think you, I think it could I think it could happen for you and, and my fingers are fucking crossed, you know. Uh I also saw 
that you um, and I commented on this because I was so disgusted. You were gonna watch. <laughs> oh, I already know. You were gonna. You were gonna watch, and I'm sure you got it for free because you're a member of the of the, of the liberal media elite. But I, the Disney Plus <laughs> to, yes. to to watch Hamilton, which we all know is absolutely garbage. So it, it, indeed it was. But like the thing is, like it's so weird because there, I feel like there are very few huge kind of like cultural moments that I somehow managed to not engage with. But Hamilton always was one of those. Obviously, it was this Same. huge thing. But when it came around, never saw the musical, never listened to the soundtrack. Like, I knew, like, what the premise of Hamilton was and, like, why it was so popular. I mean, the tickets were super expensive. But I, like, never really engaged with it at all. But I, so I always really have, like, felt like eventually I'm going to need to just watch Hamilton just so I could know, like, what the hype was about. Unfortunately, after watching it, I still don't know what the hype was about. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> But I had to watch it. And I was I was super stoned on an edible and it was just but it was absolutely insane because first of all it's like Lynn Manuel Miranda cannot sing. It's like very actively and adamantly the worst part of the cast. And it's crazy that he like wrote this entire thing to like put himself in the center of this huge thing and just like does and then surrounded himself with all of these people that are showing him up on it. I was like, this is that's bold. That's brave. How can I ask you what the running time is on Hamilton? It is just shy of three hours. I think it's like oh. two hours and 45 minutes. Oh. Granted, I did not, I like, I actually fell asleep with like 45 minutes to go and have not gone back to finish it. But that should also tell you because I just, ha- I was like, I've seen enough. I've got it legit. How many, uh, how many milligrams was this edible? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it was, I, there are like these 10 milligram gummies that I eat one and a half of. Okay. That's pretty good. Well, I, were there, were there any moments of Hamilton that were, were impressive or enjoyable at all? Or, or was it all pretty, pretty much just the bad news? I think, I mean, there was a lot of, I think pretty much it was all bad news. There were some very, <laughs> very good performances. Like, um, did you like learn Renee anything Lee about our great. fine country that you didn't know before? <laughs> oh, God, no. Well, <laughs> it's first of all, it's completely like a revisionist piece of history of like kind of telling the story of these founding fathers that like where slavery is not at all mm. in discussion and then it's like this colorblind casting so it's great that it's this diverse cast but it's also it's like you're now like employing like black people to like be these founding fathers without talking about the fact that these black people actually would have been slaves like at mm. the time that this was happening that seems I feel, no- like, I feel like i should have heard that before now that that's <laughs> like what like i've never heard it described that way and that seems like a big problem Let's see, yeah it seems it like, is, a, right? like a like, pretty <laughs> obvious gripe to have with with, with crooked hamilton yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a very weird like it's like i mean yes yeah, like watching the musical i could be like obviously if you're adding in the context of slavery this would be a different musical but also like maybe it should have been a different musical because this is as it is it, it just it seems really jarring as much as like cool like you know doing colorblind casting kind of retelling the story Mm-hmm. with a diverse cast seems cool in theory. It's not, it is very weird to kind of watch this and have there be no discussion of slavery and like have these like actual like black people recast it as the founding fathers or the wives of the founding fathers. 
that that and does no discussion seem... about the fact that there's we're slaves. Yeah. <laughs> do you are you a musical head? Like, do you like theater? <laughs> um, yeah. So I very recently, I feel like within the last two and a half years, I have like started to get into like musical theater. I was not a musical theater person like growing up. When I was younger, I actually was like pursuing acting, but I cannot sing, and I had gone from like being the lead in one of my plays in eighth grade to like trying out for the musical and not getting casted at all. And it was like this huge scandal around the campus that I had like gone from being the lead in a play to like not getting anything in the musical, but it was just because I could not sing. Welcome welcome to Hollywood, baby. (laughs) And so I kind of just stopped doing that. I like was like, okay, this is clearly not for me. But I was, even at that time, I was like not necessarily a huge Specifically musical theater. I liked plays, and, like, if I was going to a play, I would, but I wasn't a huge, like, into it. But I think within the last, like, two and a half years, I've started to try to get into it, and I've seen some pretty, like, incredible work over, like, the past, over that time period, and so that's been cool to get into that. But Hamilton... now, I think I've realized, though, that theater might be the hardest performing arts there is. As far oh, as like, I agree. what you're doing and the pace at which you're doing, you know, doing eight shows a week or whatever, I, I think right. that's, it's truly insane when you think about the mechanics of it all, um, which I, I have to factor in when I'm, when I'm like thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very demanding thing to kind of like undergo. Like I was reading this. Um, there's, I think it's called the, the Jimmy Awards, I think. And it's like the, basically the Tonys for like high school theater productions and this comedian actress natalie walker wrote followed the people who were nominated i think it's like two people from all 50 states followed them like as they were going through that and there's this one section where she's talking about how they had to all of their like stage mom parents were there and like buying them like tea and like wrapping their like necks and scars because after every single time that you're singing that you're like afraid that you're not going to be able to sing anymore and you have to like cut out dairy and like all of it it's like a very which there are other reasons to cut out dairy but like not specifically for the preservation of your voice (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end of all of it you make no money as well right yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like being a college athlete like there's just no there's no if you ain't going pro you need to just stop while you're ahead there's no reason that that article sounds interesting because I, I do feel like yeah, it starts so young. It is. That's what I was gonna say. I feel that the other side to the fact that no one makes any money is that the people who go into musical theater, you have to have such a passion for it. You can't just like kind of fall into that. Like you have to be willing to take so much shit and like go through so much that at least it's like once the people get into the world of musical theater, you know that they have been working and want to be there. It's not Well, the it's also of, like, it's billed as fucking dorky. If you can sing, don't you want to be like a superstar? You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. like, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's taught to you. It's like ingrained that it's for dorks. So like, you know, like the heart maybe, wants, well, the heart wants, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's very similar to being an Olympic athlete where, yeah, like, I would agree. Super impressive skill that nobody else can do. And then when, you know, once you reach the top and you're all done, that's that's pretty much it. You're, you know, you go back to working at PetSmart. <laughs> True. I would equate it more to the CrossFit games that I've watched on Netflix. You know what I mean? Is Those that guys. a thing? <laughs> the floor, is that floor is lava? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually yeah, a thing. You make more it's, money on the floor is lava than you do for winning an Olympic gold. 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. If you can't, if you don't get any sponsors, Olympia is crazy. Like you're, you're losing money to be like a, a, a bronze medal shot putter. Like you're not going to make it. You know, no one gives a fuck about that. It's fucking crazy. We, we, yeah, Wheaties is not giving you the bag for that. Nah, you ain't getting the cover. You ain't getting the cover. No, definitely uh, not. No, no Sports Illustrated body issue for you. No, the, <laughs> wow. Wow, the best issue. Um, uh, it's the actually, only issue. It's yeah. actually, you're thinking of ESPN, the magazine. Oh, ESPN, yes. <laughs> you're such a jock. <laughs> Speaking of bodies. I'm mixing up um, my sports publications. Well, how, has, uh, how is your quarantine dating going? Um... It's there's just a lot of chatting on Grinder and like talking to people that I probably will not end up meeting up with when everything is said and done. Mm-hmm. But it's just you know you got to do when you have to like do. I've ex- <laughs> done some experimentation into like FaceTime sex, which was new, mm. interesting. I mean, was it uh, a positive experience? One of them was. Another one was very awkward, but. There, yeah, I mean, definitely one of them was a, and it was a, like I said, it was a new thing I hadn't really done. I've had friends that I've like done FaceTime sex, but I just hadn't really explored it before now. And I, I guess it like, seems like it could be better than nothing. Right, yeah. exactly. I also, as a, as a member of uh, Gen Z, I figured you were ahead of the curve, but interesting. <laughs> Am I? I'm not a member of Gen Z, though. I'm definitely a millennial. Oh, are, I'm sorry. I'm confused. You look so youthful. I, I apologize. That, that was I'm more. Twenty six, but I I think Gen Z cutoff is like ninety seven. I was born in ninety four, so I'm definitely at the end, like the lower end of the. You're millennial, a cusper. I def- I, yeah, I feel much more attached to like the stereotypes of a millennial than I do. Of That's Gen the Z. same for me and Jason with Gen with Gen X. Uh, so it you know it, it, it I understand your plight. Uh, did <laughs> we had we had a guest on Jeff uh, his is his name and um, he was on dating apps and he said that white chicks were like apologizing to him before <laughs> they like hollered at him. Does that make sense? Like they wanted to talk uh, about yeah. before he talk- got the titty pick. Yeah, before he got to see the titties, he had to talk about systemic racism via, like, via, you know, Bumble or whatever. <laughs> have you, have you, Grindr, they ain't doing that on Grinder. They are, honestly, like, you would be surprised. There, like, are a lot of, there have, a lot of, like, hashtag BLMs have popped up into a lot of white men's Grinder bios as of late. And there are definitely some times where someone will be like, oh, you know, like, this must be so rough for you right now. And this, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of like, this is not really the conversation that I, like, want to be having with you right now. <laughs> this is very much not why I'm on Grinder to be, like, talking yeah. about this stuff. I have but, other I mean, It's neither the time nor right, the place. Like, <laughs> literally not the time nor the place <laughs> nor the context. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, the white girl is flowing very frequently right hey now. look you don't have to tell us you don't have to tell us okay <laughs> that's funny i i wondered because when he said that it like kind of blew my mind because it was just a concept that i hadn't thought about you know what yeah, i mean at no, all it's how it's this really touches everything it touches everything it's truly so pervasive and it's everywhere you kind of can't escape it and it's but like i've definitely you know will scroll through grinder and there are so many like people who now have like black lives matter in their bio and it's like oh Okay. Now, wor- so, wasn't I making read- my penis soft? As, as I said. <laughs> Damn, bro, making my penis soft. Uh, 
I, I also saw that Grindr um, is is I didn't know this as a person who doesn't use it, uh, but you you can you you can search by ethnicity, which they are now getting rid of. Yeah, I, I think it's gone now, but there was a time where you could like filter, you know, like by like height or like position or something else, and one of them was like by ethnicity. Is that problem? Is do you find that to be problematic, or is that just like? narrowing the pool depending on what you're into i find it to be problematic because i mean i just don't i think that there are like like for instance i think it makes a lot of sense like be able to like filter by like position because it's like obviously it's Mm -hmm. like if you like are a top looking for a bottom like that makes a lot of sense why you like are not necessarily but like to kind of use specifically because like you know who the people who were using the ethnicity filter were like definitely white men like looking for other white men and it's just like i mean oh i see i see yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's like, like some people have said that it's like it could also be, you know, for like black people looking for other black people. But there are also just like other apps that have always catered more towards like containing like a black community. Like Jacked is another app that is very primarily like for black. Gay so it's like a, it's so it's like a grinder, but but just predominantly. Yeah, like like right, like it's not it's not like billed as such, but I think it it's like it ain't as, black planet. It ain't black planet. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but it, I it think it is one of those apps that has kind of just like black people have gone to fled to to kind of like find their tribe, and so I think the people on Grinder who would have been using the ethnicity filter were definitely those people. Mm-hmm. Who were like looking, trying so, to make sure that they were only seeing white people. So jacked is 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 basic. They, they're like reaping the benefits of grinder fucking up, basically. Like they're <laughs> basically, yeah, definitely. So I, I guess and and scruff. I've also heard about. Yes, is, is scruff just for like the hairy types, or is it just a clever name? <laughs> it, 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 the, scruff is. It's not just for the hairy types, but it's definitely like more catering towards like the bear and otter community and the people who are into bear and otters. Like, like I honestly like use have used like all of them, but like, it's not, none of them are like, honestly, honestly guys, I've tried it all. Okay. (laughs) None of them are like exclusive though. Like, you know, there are, you know, you'll still find your like hairless twinks on scruff too. It's not necessarily the app that is like, Okay, good. So I, I they're, not, they're not the target audience. But, as, an, as, an, as an otter looking for a twink, I guess, I guess scruff, <laughs> scruff maybe isn't for me. Uh, that is, I, and all of these services are any of them paid? You can all all of the none of them are like you can all you can get a free version of all of them, but I, most of them have a upper tier that you can pay for. So like Grinder Extra, for instance, like lets you see more people on your grid like it'll keep going for longer or like scruff pro like lets you have like an unlimited amount of like photos that you can see in someone else's album versus like the regular version you can only see like the first three or something and these are like super affordable it's like five bucks or something it's not like a real cost yeah something like that i've never paid for them but it's something i bet they're fucking and i bet these guys are printing money right now oh definitely i mean you know gays they they love their little apps. <laughs> you gotta, the apps have truly changed gay dating culture so much, and so I definitely think they are making. Do you it think it's way. in a in a good way or a bad way? Um, 
the thing is, it's weird for me to say in a bad way because it's like, I don't, I don't know a gay dating life prior to apps because by the time I had come out of the closet, I was already, you know, that was already a thing. Did you come out in New York? Yes. Yeah. I came out my freshman year of college. Um, I think that, I feel like that's a classic tale. Oh yes. The tale is on the side, particularly at Columbia where it's like, I got there and it was like, every other guy you met was gay anyway. It was like, it felt very weird to like be in the closet. Um, but yeah, I was already, you know, they were art. So I can't really compare it to anything, yeah. but I definitely think that it definitely has its benefits as far as like, you know, facilitating relationships and like meeting up with people that in a way that is a lot to an extent safer, like particularly for people, you know, using these in like areas that are not New York or LA, you know, yeah. you can just kind of go out and find it. It like helps people find connections in a way that you probably couldn't have before this. I think that's something that people forget about, particularly straights. Like, that this was not, like, you couldn't just do this 10 years ago, 15 years ago even. Um, right. There is, like, a safety issue, especially, like you said, in, in tertiary markets. Particularly right. like, straight you know, males as well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like people were, like, and I mean, not that people still aren't, you know, like, going out into the fields to go cruising. But, like, that, mm-hmm. for a while, that was definitely the only option you but had. But do you think like, that has, so has, have the apps affected, like, cruising culture and, like, bars? Because the gay bar is, like, a haven and safe space, in theory, right? Like, historically. Yes, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it has had, it, like, I don't think it's the same as it was before. But I don't think, it hasn't led to the destruction of, like, cruising culture. It hasn't, like gay bars still exist. People still go to gay bars to like pick up men. And like yeah. that hasn't changed. Like that still exists, but does it exist in the same way that it did before? Again, I wasn't there before that era, but I would imagine that now that it's not as much of a necessity, you know, like when I'm yeah. going out, I'm not necessarily being like, I have to find someone at this bar to like take home that, that it becomes a different mindset because you know, that there are like other resources or outlets to be able to do that yeah you ain't got to hit craigslist no more you know <laughs> no, no. you know you got you got no more craigslist <laughs> nothing wrong with that chris nothing wrong with that no, i'm not no one's disparaging craigslist craigslist is the original social network man craigslist right. Cra- craigslist predates i mean where could you go to find a couch an apartment, a car, and dick in one place. And to get your dick stuck, right. That's you know, crazy. Truly a one-stop shop. They fulfilled That's... every need possible. Craig Craig was on his shit. Craig was on his shit. <laughs> Craig, uh, Craig was at all costs. That Craig in his list. Have you... Go ahead, go ahead, Jason. What, uh, what do we think about Kanye West running for president? Oh, God. <laughs> True. I mean, like, I... <laughs> the fact that I, I feel it is such a crazy stunt that like he is announcing his presidential campaign right in the midst of gearing up for a new album. Like the idea of being like, you know what would be like the ultimate promotional stunt is to like run for president. Mm-hmm. And it's but it's just like honestly in a post-Trump world, it's like, of course someone can now do that. And it's like, of course it's like Kanye has said he would run for president since before, like since when Kanye was still a beloved member of society, he was saying <laughs> that. So, like, the fact that he has, like, been red-pilled now, and, like, of course, he's still of that mindset. I think it's insane. And, I mean, it's so, it's just really not what we need right now, but I'm also, like, not surprised. Like, it, it mm-hmm. seems like such, 
And I mean, but like, honestly, it's like thinking like someone I saw earlier tweeted being like, wow, the concept of First Lady Kim Kardashian is yeah, truly that's what a concept. I just, that's what I was thinking about as well. That's, and- that's why I'll be voting for him. So <laughs> just want to go on the record now as uh, I'm throwing would my be- a first lady. <laughs> I think yeah, she'll I'm do a better, first lady she'll like do a no better job at being first lady than he will be at president, I think, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, Kim has honestly already been doing, you know, I mean, not, this is definitely, like, not, like, gassing up Kim as, like, the mm-hmm. savior. But, I mean, Kim is, like, you oh, know. Sure, all it's the, not like the, it, but go ahead. <laughs> no, like, the stuff as far as just, like, you know, trying to get people out of jail right now is, like, more than Kanye has been doing. Well, you know, some, some people, there's a theory, you know, and I think it's perpetuated by Kanye himself that his, his, his Trump alliance was merely to get his foot in the door and be able to affect, you know, change from the inside. Um, yeah, and convenient, I say. But there's but also, I, there's I, also I, another, <laughs> there's another theory that he is running for president because that will take away so many of the votes from, from Biden. Or whoever is going to be running against Trump, that it will allow Trump to have, uh, you know, yes. a bigger advantage. Which makes, I've heard that. Which makes mm, I haven't heard sense. that one, but I, I like honestly, this is the first time I'm hearing about that. But I agree, that makes a lot of. But sense. there's a lot of people who, I mean, it's it's we're we're now living in a time where everyone on social media has to stop doing whatever they're doing to like really honestly tell all of their followers like. Don't actually vote for Kanye West for president, <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, like, it could it will do like, more harm than good. I saw this tweet earlier where someone was like, "You guys like preach so much about like Black Lives Matter, but when a black man announces that he wants to like run for president, <laughs> you're like all talking shit." And I'm just like, "Can you let's like look at the receipts of what <laughs> Kanye has done for the past two years? Because mm-hmm. we're not going to have this conversation. This is not mm-hmm. a matter of like not supporting fellow black people. Like this is." of all the black people that I would want to support, like <laughs> specifically politically speaking, like Kanye is very near the bottom of the list. Yes. He has not endeared himself to anyone really much less his own people. Right. Like there was a moment where, I mean, you know, back when obviously when he said George Bush doesn't like black people, like that was a moment, like I could have gotten, and I thought, I mean, I was a huge, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I was a huge Kanye like stand. Oh, I bet you were. So. I know you were. I know you were. Rocking, <laughs> I know your ass was rocking the pink polo. I know you were. Oh God! I know you. I know you're rocking the pink polo. No question. No, I mean like definitely like one of the defining personalities in like my childhood and even like my very you know young adulthood. But I also was very quick to kind of like see how his allegiance returning and being like. Uh, this is not, and also his music just started getting worse. So it was like, what even am I supporting at this point? That's the problem. When the clothes aren't good and the music isn't good, I can't vote for that. I mean, right. fuck, the, <laughs> fuck the policy at that point. Right. If, you, if you can't get this... me a top ten Billboard hit, bro, can't, you can't run this country. There will be no mid rappers in the White House on my account. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That see, that's something. I, that's a platform I can get behind. That's a platform. <laughs> That is finally something I can get behind. Have you, I feel like you're a guy who could give us some, some tips on, on what we should be watching right now. Maybe some un, unrecognized uh, streaming television or movies that, that people should be, should be watching that they're not. Some hidden gems. Hidden gems. Uh, let's see. 
Um, I don't know if, like, this is a hidden gem anymore, because, I mean, I, it seems to hopefully be blowing up, but I May Not Destroy You with Michaela Cole is, like, my favorite yeah, and show that's, of the year so that's far. That's a British show, correct? Right, yes, yeah. Okay, I've, I've heard um, that. It's called I that. May Not Destroy You. Yes. No, I've not I May Not Destroy You. This, I May Destroy You, not right, I May Not it, Destroy You. I've um, heard about this a lot. Can you give us a quick, a quick summarization yeah, and then also course. what what is it on what what network is it on it's on hbo um okay. it's this it's this woman michaela cole who previously made this show chewing gum like a, several years back mm-hmm. she also like made the show like created it produces it wrote it and is the star of it and it's basically wow. about her um move over Tyler gets, perry <laughs> oh my god not tyler perry um but it's it's basically about this woman kind of like coming to terms with the fact that she was sexually assaulted but like was basically like drugged so she doesn't remember anything about this and it's kind of like mm. she's piecing things together but it's like it's this very but it also kind of ventures into like the assaults experienced by like, you know, two of her friends and just kind of in general, her life of like dealing as she plays this like kind of this like buzzy writer in the show, kind of, you know, someone who like wrote a type of, you know, like op-ed that like blew up and then she got a book deal and like all of these, you know, people are now obsessed with her. She has writer's block and she's like trying to get through the first draft of this book and then this whole like you know sexual assault thing happens and it completely like fucks up her attention but she also then decides to like reorient the book to start talking about that experience Mm. and um i mean it's just incredibly like this like very like nuanced discussion of the way that we talk about and like process and what we consider to be sexual assault because like it kind of gets into these very deliberately gray areas of like this is like not like outright rape the way we like think about rape but it's like very like these smaller type things that also do constitute assault but that we really don't talk about and i and like it's doing this in the way that i don't think tv has before mm. and so it's really inspiring but i mean i'm really just i'm like also just like really rooting for michaela cole herself because she's so multi-talented like she very much like reminds me of like a phoebe waller bridge and the way that i'm hoping that like people and the fact that she can kind of do it all in a way that I'm hoping people embrace, embrace, right. And like pick up on because she's such a rare talent and that show is incredible. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I've heard about it a lot. I guess I should watch it. How many episodes is it? Um, it's a total of 12. I've, I've seen the whole thing. I think it's right now in the U S it's only on episode like five or six. I think it might be like half. Oh, oh are, you, oh, are you flexing on us? You had a little screener <laughs> link or are you, pir- are you pirating? Are you pirating no, I, I, have, I have screener links. I'm not pirating HBO. <laughs> um, I have screeners. I'm like, could go either way with you, Michael. I don't things. know. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly like haven't pirated TV. Actually, even when I was pirating music, I was never, like, pirating TV. I was never, like, sitting there watching my, like, uTorrent screen, like, download, like, take four you hours. Don't, you don't like, have a folder on your Game laptop that's called <laughs> New, New Girl Season 3? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes I, one of us. I have never actually uh, torrented anything but music either. Uh, but I was there for the original Napster and, and Kazaa days, so... Oh, I feel like I lived. I feel like I lived through the the best times of pirating. 
Oh, I was like a like the LimeWire era. Definitely, very much my vibe. I was what what kind of music did you, did your parents like listen to music in the house, or were you left up to discover um, it all? I pretty much honestly discovered music a lot my own. My mom, like, not that she didn't like music, but she really like wasn't the kind of person like I didn't like grow up in like one of those like households where it was like you know like my mom's like playing playing Marvin Gaye on Sundays and it's time to clean, you know. Um, I've always been jealous of really, those people. <laughs> same, I'm very jealous what? of those people. I've always been jealous. Truly, of those. truly. <laughs> I kind of, like, discovered music on my own. But it was funny, when I did start, my mom was def- a person, she loves, like, listening to, like, books on tape, yeah. on the, you know, in the car. So that was very much driving me to school in the morning. Like, she would have on, like, some random, you know, like, David Baldacci book playing on the, <laughs> out of the car stereos. Um, but my mom was, like, very much, like, into, like, techno like very like before like electronic music kind of became this thing it was a very weird i was equally surprised this was like even before i had kind of like embraced electronic music like in my own life that she would like be playing this like very weird like heady techno in like the car very okay if she was playing music that's what it was was damn jason is jason is sprung right now off (laughs) yeah i haven't been saying this word as much lately but i will say nut to that Oh my god. As a member, as a member, as an esteemed member of the EDM community, Jason welcomes your mother with open arms. Also, of, of, of all the musical genres, I would say techno is the least mom mommy friendly genre. I, com- I completely agree. She I mean she liked to I guess it's like she liked to listen to that when she would like go on her like power walks, but she would also <laughs> listen to it in the car. It was like I don't it was a very this is fire. Thing. Yeah, I mean, usually with, so now, with somebody's mom, you're like, okay, a little like a little disco, a little house kind of vibe that makes sense. It's kind of you know approachable, funky, whatever. But but going just straight for the techno. No, she was like a I good like. Learn more about your mother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd go in for like a good like ten minute track, like you know she. Damn. Truly was about that. So well, hopefully think- one day you'll be able to take her to Bergheim when they when it finally opens up. <laughs> Oh God. That's the story. Really? Honey, I am home. That's the story we need on them.com for sure. That is the, the story first time I took my mom to Bergheim. I took my mom to Bergheim on acid, and this is what happened. Yeah, exactly. What? Where do you think she got – who put her on? That's the question. I don't know. That's like I really – it always baffles me to kind of like how she came across. Because again, like I said, it wasn't something that was like happening my whole life. It was like randomly – when I was like in middle school, I think I would get in and she would just start having this playing. And I was like, it was, seemed to come out of nowhere. But this is, she was like, this is like what I use when I like walk. Like I need like a good steady beat. To, like, I love, I love saying this is what I, this is what I use. Like it's a drug. I use this when I walk. Techno is this simply is a tool. Inject it, inject the techno into my veins. I don't listen. I use. It, it really is sick. That, that's the best story we ever heard on this podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations! You didn't see it coming. Uh, thank you. So, so did I? Did I graduate on time? <laughs> you actually, you really did. You did graduate. Yes, you're you're receiving you're receiving your degree. You can walk. Uh, um, well, also, thank God. you one one uh, one other thing I saw on Twitter, uh, a track posted about sugarfish being oh my the chipotle god, of the sushi. chipotle of sushi. And yes, you, and, which... and I, I think you said 
put some respect on Sugarfish's name. Yes. I feel personally, like, as someone who loves Sugarfish, honestly, unfortunately, I have never been to the one in New York just because it is too chaotic to try to mm-hmm. deal with. But, like, I am a very loyal patron You're of Sugarfish Sugar LA. Yes, I am a Sugar stand. <laughs> and I was just like, this is disrespectful. I also, it's also, <laughs> like, I am very adamantly, like, I feel like, I'm known for certain things. Like I'm known for being a huge like subway stand, and I'm also oh. known for like <laughs> judge, judge me, judge me all you want. I am a proud like a ve- but long veggie delight from Subway is like a go to meal. No, well, well, Chris and I have both been vegan and vegetarian, uh, you know, in our younger lives, and I I have put down many, many veggie many, delight, countless, in my day. countless oh. veggie delights, a good veggie delight, like. But I also like very adamantly hate Chipotle. Like I, same, refu- same. Like, I stopped eating at Chipotle after the E. coli scare. Never went back, and like now that's like I'm like very vocal about being like I hate Chipotle. So it's like to put one of my favorite sushi restaurants mm. and compare it to this like hole in the wall of like disgusting diseases i was personally <laughs> offended i took that for as a personal attack well i hate to break this to you but jason also hates sugarfish mm, well you know I, I i would like to you know what if you're ever in la and you know we're we're not quarantining anymore you know i'd like to show you some some other su- sugarfish alternatives perhaps that could maybe you know i like to support small business that's the thing about me so <laughs> Sugarfish. Tell, tell me, tell me some. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, tell me some of the ones that you would take me to. Because I mean, like, there's a chance that I've been to them before. I just also really like sugarfish. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe there's a spot in Little Tokyo called Hama that um I think is pretty good. I mean, there, there's or like Sushi Gen. There's a lot of there's a lot of like more affordable, high quality sushi places in LA, but also. The sugarfish, um, the hand roll place, uh, Kazunori. Kazunori, yeah. I, I, I think Kazunori, Kazunori is well. really, really delicious and really good. I think sugarfish. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's the the spirit of sushi, where you know it's a little bit more of a ceremonial meal. I think sugarfish kind of removes all of that, and it it it's sort of sushi for people who don't have the time to devote to you know the the honor of of the fish, perhaps. So you're saying it's, it's, you're, I feel like I, like I feel like sugarfish is like ceremonial, like the way it's like it's ceremonial. It's ceremonial if you live in fucking Beverly Hills and drive a G wagon and have extensions. Like yeah, <laughs> I, mean, you know? I think, I think, well, I think the, the sugarfish is it's it's sushi for people who don't want to like pick or do any of the work. They just want to like I want that one, and then you know then okay. you know the aspiring actor starts just bringing out bowls of fish that have been sitting in, in the back of a kitchen for the last four hours. And like, here's your salmon, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But that's why it works is because it is easy. That's why yeah. it's such a successful business, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's literally like, trust me. Like, that's literally, you know, and I do, and I do, and I, I, I do trust them because, I mean, I've never had a bad sugarfish experience. And obviously, like, yes, it's like pricey and like, it's not like, I'm not going to sugarfish like every day for lunch. Mm-hmm. But like, when I do go to sugarfish, I always enjoy myself. But I mean, yes, that's not the only sushi in the world, but it's definitely not the Chipotle of sushi. Uh, I've only had Chipotle once, and it was years ago, and I couldn't believe that people were so excited by it. It was fucking disgusting. It really, it's just, it never, like, I, there was a time when I would eat Chipotle. 
I've had it before. I, I, I was I always thought it was just like severely salty. Um and it was it was like I would eat one of the tortilla chips and it'll just be like, Ugh. Oh yeah, the tortilla chips are very, very salty. But it's, America, it's sort of just I mean, like we're gonna take right. we're gonna take Mexican food and like all these, you know, American people who don't necessarily love the all the parts that make it like a traditional, you know, important special meal, and we're just gonna remove all of that and then make it like Americanized and then you guys are going to eat it up and love it, which which is what worked. And you may be you might be able to say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, like, no shots. No, no shots. That was <laughs> definitely a shot. <laughs> that was a sugar shot, I, and I admit that. <laughs> sugar shot. Stop making words. Stop adding words together with sugar, Jason. Yeah, man. Right. A sugar stand. A sugar shot. <laughs> Sugar stand's really good. They should actually buy that from you. That's really good. Uh, Michael, do you have any anything coming out we should know about? Anything you're excited about that you've been writing? Um, I mean, I'm doing a few things around I May Not Destroy You. I mean, this, I May Destroy You coming soon. Okay, great. Um, I mean, I've just wrapped up a lot of stuff that I was doing over Pride. So I'm, like, thankfully, like, getting a little bit of a mind break because I was, like, pretty exhausted over the past month um, i would imagine pride is like you know christmas at, at them <laughs> except as, like instead of being rewarded with gifts we are like rewarded <laughs> with a lot of work sure but, but it, i mean but the work is a gift to some so that's good. that's what i was that's what i was getting at i feel like you're you're the source you know <laughs> that's my gift to the world my words um <laughs> same <laughs> but yeah i mean it's yeah, I mean, I'm excited, though, to kind of get back to, like, I've gotten behind on a lot of shows and movies and stuff and screeners that I need to catch up with. So I'm excited to kind of get back. Well, let me, let me, before we go, let me recommend West Wing, a little show. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I started that from the beginning on Netflix, and I got to say, it's excellent. So, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you have some free time, you want to watch something like a little Hit less the edible progressive. and blast West Wing. <laughs> You know, something, yes. so, something that feels... Would you recommend West Wing as a stoned show to, like, zone out to? I honestly don't... No, I think the dialogue might be too fast. Right. I was like, I feel like that wouldn't... Like, being stoned, I wouldn't... Honestly, being stoned watching Hamilton wasn't that enjoyable either, but... <laughs> I, feel, I also do feel like I could not have watched it sober. So mm, that's the best review possible. That's the only review we need. Uh, Unwatchable sober. I'm Michael, going to put on my letterbox. <laughs> tell tell people where they can find you on the World Wide Web. Um, my Twitter is Yo Soy Michael. That's Michael with an A E, not an E A. Mm. People get a lot of get confused about that. Instagram Michael. C-U-B-Y is my last name, just first and last name. I, I checked out your Instagram. That last that last photo should be pay-per-view, my friend. I didn't know we were, you know. <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought I was behind was the my... Patreon. At that. I thought I was behind the Patreon. I had to check. <laughs> that was my first, um, like, on-grid thirst trap, honestly. And How it did it, like, how's it going? Has, I mean, a lot of people have you know, slid into the DMs or have returned from the land of the dead. And honestly, I was like, I didn't know how powerful 
this could be. All but you have to do is post a fully nude, full frontal photo on the grid. That's all it took. It's so crazy. People like responded. Right. I mean, honestly, who would have thought? Who would have known? But here uh, we are. Make sure you follow Michael on Instagram and, um, you know, what you know, whatever emoji you want to add on his most recent thirst trap. All the emojis. Please, please. Yeah, thank, thank you for joining us, Michael. It was a true pleasure. Of um, course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we will talk soon. Of Bye-bye. course. Later. Bye. Bye.